Volume 3, Chapter 14 of A Simple Story. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Joyce Martin. A Simple Story by Elizabeth Inchbald. Volume 3, Chapter 14. Chapter 14 This melancholy incident perhaps affected Matilda and all the friends of the deceased Lady Elmwood beyond any other that had occurred since her death. A few days after this circumstance, Miss Woodley, in order to divert the disconsolate mind of Lady Matilda, and in the hope of bringing her some little anecdotes to console her for that which had given her so much pain, waited upon Lord Elmwood in his library, and borrowed some books out of it. He was now perfectly well from his fall, and received her with his usual politeness, but, of course, not with that peculiar warmth which he had discovered when he received her just after his illness. Rushbrook was in the library at the same time. He showed her several beautiful prints which Lord Elmwood had just received from London, and appeared anxious to entertain and give tokens of his esteem and respect for her but what gave her pleasure beyond any other attention was that after she had taken, by the aid of Rushbrook, about a dozen volumes from different shelves, and had laid them together, saying she would send her servant to fetch them, Lord Elmwood went eagerly to the place where they were, and taking up each book, examined minutely what it was. One author, he complained, was too light, another too depressing, and put them on the shelves again. Another was erroneous, and he changed it for a better. Thus, he warned her against some and selected other authors, as the most cautious preceptor calls for his pupil, or a fond father for his darling child. She thanked him for his attention to her, but her heart thanked him for his attention to his daughter. For as she had herself never received such a proof of his care since all their long acquaintance, she reasonably supposed Matilda's readings, and not hers, was the object of his solicitude. She reasonably supposed Matilda's reading, and not hers, was the object of his solicitude. Having in these books store of comfort for poor Matilda, she eagerly returned with them, and, in reciting every particular circumstance, made her consider the volumes, almost like presents from her father. The month of September was now arrived, and Lord Elmwood, accompanied by Rushbrook, went to a small shooting seat near twenty miles distant from Elmwood Castle for a week's particular sport. Matilda was once more at large, and one beautiful morning about eleven o'clock, seeing Miss Woodley walking on the lawn before the house, she hastily took her hat to join her, and not wanting to put it on, went nimbly down the great staircase, with it hanging on her arm. When she had descended a few stairs, she heard a footstep walking slowly up and, from what emotion she could not tell, she stopped short, half resolved to turn back. She hesitated a single instant whether she should or not, then went a few steps further till she came to the second landing-place, which, by the sudden winding of the staircase, Lord Elmwood was immediately before her. She had felt something like a front before she saw him, but her reason told her she had nothing to fear as he was away. But now the appearance of a stranger whom she had never before seen, the authority in his looks, as well as in the sound of his steps, 
a resemblance to the portrait she had been shown of him, a start of astonishment which he gave on beholding her, but above all her fears confirmed her that it was him. She gave a scream of terror, put out her trembling hands to catch the balustrades for support, missed them, and fell motionless into her father's arms. He caught her, as by the same impulse he would have caught any other person falling for want of aid. Yet when he found her in his arms, he still held her there, gazed at her attentively, and once pressed her to his bosom. At length, trying to escape the snare into which he had been led, he was going to leave her on the spot where she fell, when her eyes opened and she uttered, Save me! Her voice unmanned him. His long-restrained tears now burst forth, and seeing her relapsing into the swoon, he cried out eagerly to recall her. Her name did not, however, come to his recollection, nor any name but this. Miss Milner! Dear Miss Milner! That sound did not awaken her, and now again he wished to leave her in this senseless state, that not remembering what had passed she might escape the punishment. But at this instant Gifford, with another servant, passed by the foot of the stairs on which Lord Elmwood called to them, and into Gifford's hands delivered his apparently dead child, without one command respecting her, nor one word of any kind, while his face was agitated with shame, with pity, with anger, with paternal tenderness. As Gifford stood trembling while he relieved his lord from this hapless burden, her father had to unloose her hand from the side of his coat, which she had caught fast hold of as she fell, and grasped so closely it was with difficulty released. On attempting to take the hand away, he trembled, faltered, then bade Gifford do it. "'Who I, my lord, I separate you,' cried he. But recollecting himself, "'My lord, I will obey your commands, whatever they are,' and seizing her hands, pulled it with violence. It fell, and her father went away. Matilda was carried to her own apartments, laid upon the bed, and Miss Woodley hastened to attend her after listening to the recital of what had passed. When Lady Elmwood's old and affectionate friend entered the room and saw her youthful charge lying pale and speechless, yet no father by to comfort or soothe her, she lifted up her hands to heaven, exclaiming, with a burst of tears, "'And this is the end of thee, my poor child! Is this the end of all our hopes, of thy own fearful hopes, and of thy mother's supplications? Oh, Lord Elmwood, Lord Elmwood!' At that name Matilda started and cried, where is he? Is it a dream, or have I seen him? It is all a dream, my dear, said Miss Woodley. And yet I thought he held me in his arms, she replied. I thought I felt his hands press mine. Let me sleep and dream again. Now thinking it best to undeceive her. It is no dream, my dear, returned Miss Woodley. Is it not? cried she, starting up and leaning on her elbow. Then I suppose I must go away, go for ever away. Sanford now entered, having been told the news. He came to condole, but at the sight of him Matilda was terrified and cried, Do not reproach me, do not upbraid me, I know I have done wrong, I know I had but one command from my father, and that I have disobeyed. Sanford could not reproach her, for he could not speak. He therefore only walked to the window and concealed his tears. That whole day and night was passed in sympathetic grief, in alarm at every sound, 
lest it should be a messenger to pronounce Matilda's destiny. Lord Elmwood did not stay upon this visit above three hours at Elmwood House. He then set off again for the seat he had left, where Rushbrook still remained, and from whence his lordship had merely come by accident to look over some writings which he wanted dispatched to town. During his short continuance here, Stanford cautiously avoided his presence, for he thought, in a case like this, what nature would not of herself affect, no art, no arguments of his could accomplish. To nature and providence he left the whole. What these two powerful principles brought about, the reader will judge when he peruses the following letter, received early the next morning by Miss Woodley. End of chapter 14, volume 3, recording by Joyce Martin.